tuning in to our Neighborhood Church podcast. Join us on Sunday at any of our locations. To learn more about our church, visit neighborhoodchurch.com or download our church app. Thank you. I love you. You know, I was just just sharing with um, one of my friends out there. The older I get, um, the more I want to stop and pause and tell people I love them because I don't do it enough. Are you with me on that? You know, it's like, uh, well, they know I love them because I work with them. We do all these things together and whatnot. But I never pause and say, you know what? I love you. So let me pause. And and Dot Slagle, happy birthday. I love you too. Is that you, Dolores? Wow, I love you too. We share, we share a birthday close to each other. So uh, it's just good, isn't it? And, and, and uh, if we can just break, the, I don't know what it is. I don't know why we do that, but we do it. And um, let's break the mold. And, uh, and let's be contagious with our love, all right? Uh, I want to read a passage to you. Um, at, at, it's Mark chapter 2. Uh, so if you have your Bibles or you can just look on the screen. This is where uh, Jesus uh, is uh, um, working with and dealing with uh, the paralytic. It says, a few days later, uh, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him uh, to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat that the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up take up your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and he walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Wow. Isn't it nice that these things are recorded for us to just kind of camp on? That we, could, that we can contemplate a little bit of what Jesus was like and how he interacted and how he shared with people and how he overcame obstacles. And isn't it nice that we can pause and see what friends uh, can do uh, in other people's lives? The effect that one could have. I love this. And I love the word of God because it's alive and it's active and it penetrates our soul and our spirit. And it speaks to us if you would let it. Are you open to the word of God today? Are we ready for this journey? I am. I can't wait. Now, let me ask you a question here. We're talking about friendships a little bit here, right? Uh, um, As you think about your parents, who had uh, more or deeper, more meaningful relationships? Your mother 
or your father? Mother. Boy, that was quick, wasn't it? Bam. Mother. Now, um, I, that tends to be true, at least 90%. Uh, as you read different studies, about 90% of that is true. Sometimes, you know, this the guys, uh, uh, there are certain fellows that are really, really good at relationships. They tend to be ministers. <laughs> but they're good at that for a reason, because God's gifted them that way. But, uh, but, but ladies, uh, you, you, you got the relationship thing down from the beginning. Now, when I was a kid, this is what we would do when we would choose teams on the playground. And, and guys, I want you to answer this, all right? Uh, when it came time to, to uh, picking a team on the playground uh, at lunch or after school or whatever it was, and we're playing football, um, did you choose the best player or your best friend? Best friend, come on, all right? Absolutely. Why? Because we want to win. You know, what about my friends that their feelings get hurt? Well, get better, right? Now, girls, come on. And this is what you're going you're gonna to answer for me. But girls, if you were at that same age in grade school and you were choosing teams and you got to be the team captain and, and you were playing with the boys and we we're going to play baseball, did you pick the best player or did you pick your best friend? Best friend, come on, right? Girls got it down here. They, 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 they choose their best friend. Man, but this is what irritated me as a kid about the girls. Now, sorry, I'm going to bring it out. They'd go out and they'd have like a little tea party out in left field, and they wouldn't even play the game. They just wanted to be with their friend, right? And we were just wired differently. It's not, it's not a bad thing unless you were really competitive, and it was like, well, you know, a lot of times guys just kept, they gave up the game. It's like, let's pick new teams and let the girls go play out there. But we're wired differently. But girls, I want to tell you this. You have something that, uh, that God has built within you, um, and if you allow it to nurture even more and more, uh, you are so good at relationships. It's within you. Uh, guys, we really need to stop and we need to pause and we need to sink and, 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 and cultivate that within our lives. Are you with me on that? I don't want to be the guy at the end of my life that had no friends. I want to have a lot of friends. I believe I do, but I want more. And how much is enough? Just one more, right? Just one more, just one more. Um, so there's a joy in there. My children, uh, boy, they, my, my little daughter, um, there's a picture of her, uh, up there. She super competitive, super competitive. Here she is racing on her tricycle. All right. And I'm telling you what, there, there is not, there's no quit inside her. Uh, she is kind of that, that, that 10% where it's like, uh, dad, I love my friends, but come on, it comes to winning. I'm going to win. Now, take a look at this other picture because she uh, rides horses right now. She's very competitive. She is competing on a national level uh, for the World Youth Championship. She's been doing very, very well, and, and she'll continue to do well uh, with that. She is, uh, in August, will be competing in Oklahoma, and in uh, November, she'll be competing uh, at what they call a Congress. It's an international event, uh, and she, she will do well, uh, but uh, her desire is not to do well. Her desire is to win. Come on. Yeah, I love that little Rodriguez. All right? Now, my son, he's in the relationships. All right? He loves people. And he wants everybody to feel welcome, uh, no matter where they're at. They, 
they have a fencing club at his school. It was kind of floundering, not doing very well. And he's like, I'm going to invite people just to be a part of this. So these people that are in his math class, uh, whether it's physics or calculus two or whatever, he, you never fenced before? Come on out. So that, that group has, has, has grown by 40% just because he keeps inviting people. He wants everybody to be included. Uh, and that's my son. They're, they're just a little bit different uh, with the guys and the gals and how they're kind of wired up, but, but there you go. So um, allow me to continue. For the most part, girls, I want you to get this down. You win in the relationship kingdom. You really do. You're very, very good. A love expresses itself with actions. Now, you look at verse 3, and it says, Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Uh, now, these men uh, did something that was useful. It was helpful. It was meaningful. It cost them time. It cost them energy. Most likely, <laughs> it cost them money. Who dug that hole in my roof? Come on. Right? All right. But when you love someone, when you truly care for somebody, uh, the price, the cost, the time, the energy is secondary to the love of the well-being of that person. Is that not true? Here's a picture of my friend. His name is Kieran Kumar. Kieran Kumar has been my interpreter since 2001. And he is the kind of guy that will do anything for you. Sometimes, uh, sometimes I'll ask him, Kieran, can you come and do this for me? Can you do that for me? Can you greet my team at the airport? I cannot. Can you... Go to the embassy for me. Can you do these things? And I know that is a big ass, but he's halfway around the world. And he'll, he'll always answer me with this statement. Tony, it is my honor and it is my privilege to serve you. I'm not like that. I want to be. I have to work at it. But that comes from him. That comes, that comes from a deep spot within. And... Uh, he is so full of love, and, 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 and so much so that when I have been in tight spots, when I have been depressed, when I have been worked over by the enemy, he will stand up for me. He prays for me every day. For the last 20 years, I have been on his prayer list. And not only him, but every night when his family gathers for prayer, the whole family prays for me. That is a great gift. That is a great gift. He stood up to a very influential member in his family who was doing a very sinful thing at a great cost to himself uh, where there were threats made upon his children, uh, threat made upon his life and his well-being, but he stood up for righteousness sake. He did it because he loved the Lord. He did it uh, because he loves the truth and he will side with the truth. Kiran Kumar is a great friend and I wonder do you have a friend like Kieran in your life? Is there someone that will stand up for you, that will serve you, that care for you, that will bring you to Jesus? And do you have someone in your life that you do the same for? Are you, is your love contagious like Kieran's love is contagious? Well, these are the things that we need to be coming, coming to the Lord. Lord, help me be a vessel of love for you. Are you with me on that? Right? We haven't arrived. No one's arrived in the area of love. All I know is that I can be better uh, today than I was yesterday. And I need to be for the glory of God. That's right. Now, I want to let you know this. Um, love expresses itself with an action. But love also perseveres. Since they could not get Jesus, 
they couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowd. They made an opening in the roof by Jesus, digging through it and lowered the man, the, uh, the mat that the man was lying on. These men couldn't get into the door. They couldn't get into the window. So they had to get on the roof, which is not an easy task. Uh, at that time, they had flat roofs. And sometimes they had a stairway going up on the side of the house to get to the roof. Other times they didn't have that, so you'd have to go from your neighbor's house and somehow get over to your house and dig that roof. But if someone was digging a hole in your roof, I mean, that takes effort, right? I don't, I don't think, I have a feeling that these boys were young because old men don't do this, right? <laughs> and, and, and young boys, they tend to be rascals, right? So it's, I, I don't know, we can't, we can't get in the door, we can't get in the window. Somebody in that group said, let's dig a hole in the roof. And somebody else said, that sounds like a good idea, right? <laughs> so you just kind of get a, an impression that these guys were just a little bit, um, yeah, I don't know what the word to use really, but um, rascals. Rascals is a good word. Um, but they loved, there's no doubt about it, they loved their friend. And they were serious about seeing him uh, get to Jesus. So they made a, they made a hole in the roof. <laughs> oh, boy. And things got a little exciting. There was no excuse. There was no logical reasoning out of it. Like, oh, well, maybe we'll just wait for the crowd to dissipate. We'll just stay outside here in the street. Maybe we'll kind of capture Jesus on his way home. There, there was no, you don't see that in the scriptures. Uh, they overcame difficult obstacles. They accomplished their goal. Now, I don't know if you ever watched SpaceX. My, my son, uh, he is studying astrophysics, so I, I watch all these rocket launches with him, all right? And, uh, and it's, it, you know, it's pretty exciting uh, to see this giant rocket kind of go off and, and, and hit a certain height, and then they come back down, and there's this big old giant beast of a rocket machine, right? And I don't know, the size of the Grand Canyon or, or the size of the Empire State Building or maybe a three-story house. I don't know. It's somewhere in between. But it's big, right? It's big. And, 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 then, um, and then you see all these engineers in this room. They watch this rocket go up, and they're all kind of holding their breath. And then the rocket starts coming down, and it's coming down like a pencil would fall from the sky, you know, like, like flatways. Coming down, and then it flips uh, in, in like a vertical position. Like uh, I, when I was a kid, I used to watch these Chinese monster movies, and they always had spaceships that would do this, you know? Well, now they're doing it for real. And, and so this, this rocket would start coming down at a controlled landing and land on this pad perfectly. And when that happens, these engineers go nuts. Now, I don't know if you've been around many engineers, but they tend to be a little reserve, all right? But when they land a rocket, ooh, man, the party is on. The party is on right? These guys are shouting, they're screaming, they're hugging, they're kissing, they're doing everything else. It's like, that's the party I want to be a part of, right? I want to be a part of that party. The, the thing is that we got this, the love of God inside us and the party is going on. We just need to share that party, right? Are you with me? Yep. All right. So these guys got excited. Uh, what they were doing, it wasn't easy, but, but like many things in life, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it, right? So we got to overcome some things. This took heart, it took effort, it took sweat, it took creativity, and they were willing to accomplish what most people would think was absurd. 
Wow. Now, for better or for worse, these guys love this boy. There's a, there's a, a photo that I've seen on my Facebook feed where an old man is walking around with a, a, his wife, and she's elderly. She's got the, uh, uh, Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's disease. And, uh, and uh, the question was, the, you know, why do you walk your wife around this way? And she says, well, she doesn't know where she's at. And uh, uh, if you let go of her hand, would she, would she realize that you weren't there? He goes, no, she forgets everything. She doesn't even know my name. Well, she doesn't know who you are. And, uh, and he goes, no, then why do you do this? And he responded, he goes, because I know who she is. She's the love of my life. And I thought, oh, my. That's another orbit of love, is it not? And, uh, but we got that love inside us, right? The same spirit uh, that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. Uh, so I have the capability of loving more. And, and Christ didn't call me to be filled with love and not to share it. Because there's, no, there's it, like love doesn't run out. It just, the more you give, the more you're going to get. And, uh, and it's going to overflow from your spirit. Have you experienced that when you love someone so much and you just get so much love back in return? You know, going back to that thing, you know, you tell people in your life that you love them because we need to do that, right? For better or for worse. Now, here's a picture of Richard Warmbrandt. I don't know if you guys know who Richard Warmbrandt is. Richard Warmbrandt was a Romanian uh, pastor. He suffered under uh, the Nazis in World War II. He suffered under the communist rule in his country in Romania. He stood up against them. He was thrown in jail for seven years at one time for standing up against the communist government. A second time when he got out, he stood up against them, spoke against them, and he was kidnapped, put in solitary confinement, and they didn't even tell his wife. His wife, Sabina, again, suffered under uh, the Nazis. Uh, her whole family was wiped out by them. I was fortunate enough to know them. There's another photo of them I'm going to show you right here. There, there is a, a picture that they have with um, uh, some of my friends and their, their family. He was a very enduring man. He was full of love, and I'm telling you what, his love was the kind of love that persevered. Um, he was telling me a story one time uh, about a prison guard that would come, and his, this prison guard, he said, this guy had a horrible job. His job was to torture me uh, twice a week. He'd come out and torture me. And uh, he'd poke me with hot pokers. And I, you know, he showed me the scars. I seen the scars. They're holes, all right? Uh, they would beat me on the bottom of my feet. They'd throw me out in the snow uh, until the point where I was, I was uh, just feeling like I was going to die. And then they'd bring me back in. They'd recover me. They'd, they'd fill me with drugs. They'd do this over and over again. Uh, they tried to uh, mess with me mentally, physically, emotionally. Uh, and, uh, and I would ask the guard when he'd come out before the beating began. How, how is it going? How is your life? How is your family? How are your children? Uh, and the guard finally one day snapped at him and said, why do you ask me these questions? Every day you know what my job is. My job is to beat you, to hurt you, to break you. And yet you treat me with kindness and ask how I'm doing, how my family's doing, how my wife is doing. He goes, are you kidding me? I can't sleep at night because of you. Because of you, I hear your screams at night when I go to bed. Stop. He goes, I have no peace because of you. He goes, why do you treat me with kindness? And Richard replied to him, and he says, when you step on a flower, what scent do you get? And the guard thought it was ridiculous to ask such a question. He said, you get the scent of a flower, of course. Any idiot, any fool would know this. He goes, if you were to break a bottle of perfume, what scent would you get? 
because this is ridiculous. You'd get the scent of the perfume. What kind of logic is this? This is, this is kindergarten. Why do you ask me such questions? He goes, because when you break me, you get the scent of Christ. Whoa, I don't think that way. But I need to. But I need to. Because love perseveres. It doesn't give up. It doesn't take the easy street. It, it, it works through. And it's contagious. It starts bleeding from every area of your life. He was a very, very loving man. He loved children. He missed children. He missed colors. He talks about these things. And he was amazing. Love perseveres. Well, love is contagious. You know, with these guys, someone started the conversation. Uh, uh, someone that was motivated by a spirit of love. Uh, other people picked up on the spirit and said, that, that sounds like a good idea. Let's bring our friends to Jesus. It's a worthy idea, a worthy of, of cost, whatever it would be. Uh, it motivated them. And my hope that it, it will motivate you as well. This story motivates me. Your sins are forgiven. Well, that's huge. That's huge. Your sins are forgiven. In that culture, uh, sometimes, and you can read in other passages, uh, that, that Jesus was posed with the question, who, who sinned, Jesus, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? If, if you had some kind of physical ailment, people would think that you were some kind of sinner, that you've done something wrong. Uh, and, and it's not necessarily the case. Um, but, but there was this thing that was like, well, he must be some kind of sinner because look at him, look what happened to him. I mean, God's really bringing justice down on his life right near, right now, but that's not the case. And it wasn't the case here. But they would look at this man and, uh, and they say, well, see, you know, he's in trouble because God's judging him. And Jesus immediately said, son, your sins are forgiven. Well, can we just pause there for a second? That's a big deal. That's a big deal to have your sins forgiven because it, it comes with this like a Christmas tree of other gifts, right? My sins are forgiven. I have a right standing with God. Uh, I, I have a relationship with God. His righteousness has been given to me. My sins are separated as far as the East is from the West. The Holy Spirit now resides in me. Uh, I have a new name. I have been lavished every spiritual gift that I need to function in this world and perform in the body of Christ to build it up and to carry it along. I have everything that I need. This side of heaven, I have Jesus. My sins are forgiven. That is a big deal. I have a right standing with God. I am not going to be judged and go to hell. No, I am going to be judged and rewarded because of what Christ has done on my behalf. My sins are forgiven. You guys, that is huge. Do you remember that? Do you remember when you came into contact with that? When you knew that Jesus forgave you your sins? That was huge. Was it not? Come on. Come on. I want to hear it. Thank you. All the way from Florida. All right, I heard you. God bless you, Dolores. Nice to see you. Just let that pause. Let that sink in, man. Just for a moment. You are are a new creature in Christ. This kid can get up and say, like with King David, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He causes me to 
to drink from cool waters. He restores my soul. I mean, that's, that's huge. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou art with me. Thou prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord, say it with me, forever. Come on. You have a new, yeah, you can clap on that. Jesus is good. Okay. He's so good. He's so good. And he gives you a right sending. Son, your sins are forgiven. This boy was just given a whole lot of confidence. And that's great news, you guys. This is great news. Now, I remember one time being in India, and uh, there was this uh, gentleman I was sharing the gospel, and, uh, and uh, he was telling me to stop. Now, now you got to remember, I am listening through Kieran. So I have an interpreter. And as I'm sharing the gospel, I see a guy waving a machete. And I thought, man, this is going to hurt, isn't it? Right? And, uh, and uh, I say, hey, what, what, why, is this guy, why is this guy so adamant with his machete? What's going on here? And, uh, and uh, my interpreter told me, he said, uh, Tony, he wants you to stop. And I thought, okay. Um, why? And uh, he said, because he wants everybody else to hear this message also. Man, you guys, we have so much to offer the world. So much. The message that we have with Jesus, the forgiveness of your sins, the right standing with God. This is something that Disneyland can't do. They can't make up. They can't come close to. The happiest place in the West. Come on, man. Knott's Berry Farm, are you kidding me? They can't hold a candle to the relationships that we have with Jesus and with one another. They just can't, all right? And the love that we have for each other is so contagious, and it has to be shared, and that's what these guys are doing. There's a picture of this lady that I want you to see. Uh, we call her Gazelle. She had several tumors all over her body. Uh, at age 14, her skin was normal. She was pledged to be married. She was going to be married by the age of 16. Uh, but as these tumors started developing, her fiancé got scared. and It's like, I don't, I don't want this disease. I want to get close to it, you know. Uh, obviously, you've done something wrong. I need to get away. Well, she never got married. But I'll tell you what, when I walked into her village and I uh, was sharing with their congregation, I realized that that congregation loved her and that she knew that they loved her. And that was big. But she walked around with confidence. She wasn't covering her face. She was just normal. And you guys, it was contagious. And I thought, I need to be that kind of person who loves somebody so they can just be themselves and be free. I'm telling you, I, I've never seen anybody else like her. It was shocking when I first saw her. But God taught me a lesson there about love from the whole congregation. Yep, love's contagious, my friends. It's contagious. And it will... It will leave a mark. Love will leave a mark. Now, I don't know if you, uh, it, there's certain things that we do in life. You know, I used to climb fences when I was a kid. My mom always said, 
don't climb fences, Tony. You're going to get in trouble one day. Well, one day I did get in trouble. And, uh, and I was coming down from the fence. You know those little wire uh, fences, the chain link fences that have little cross tops? My arm got caught on that, right? And I couldn't get myself back up. So another lady from the neighborhood had to pick me up, lift me up off the thing, and I rushed home on my bike with a big old hole in my arm. And they sewed me up. That uh, left a mark. But love leaves a mark too, does it not? It won't leave you the same. It won't leave you the same way that it finds you. It's going to change you. Uh, and and uh, it, it might dissipate the scars that you have from other people. Uh, but it will also affect you as you're moving forward. They said this. They praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. <laughs> I have to think that people outside of that room and inside that room were blown away. I like the engineers who see the rockets land perfectly. They were excited about this. Uh, but the love story doesn't end here. It continues whenever we meet uh, people filled with the Spirit of Christ. He is so good, is he not? Uh, his kindness and compassion is simply unmatched by anyone else that has ever existed, that exists today, or ever will exist, because he's God. Like the people in the narrative, I too am amazed by God and how often I have been stunned by the things that he has allowed me to see and experience over and over again. Uh, Jesus is amazing people uh, doing things that others haven't even imagined possible. There's a picture of this gentleman here in front of a, uh, uh, his congregation. I want to let you know about this guy. He was blind when I met him for 10 years, and he was carried around by a little boy. A little boy would escort him everywhere they went. And uh, the, at the end of the service, our habit is to pray for everybody in the congregation. And then what they do is they go get the sick people in their village and they bring them uh, so that they too can have prayer. And we were praying for this gentleman. They said, Tony, he's blind. Would you pray for him? So I'm asking that God would restore his, his sight. And, uh, and I get done praying and uh, he picks up, uh, um, he picks up uh, a bag or something. That wasn't even that. He just turned around. And he started walking out the door. And I, I started reprimanding my interpreter. And I said, you told me he was blind. And, uh, and this guy's walking out the door. Why did you do that? You know, I feel so manipulated. And he goes, sir, he was blind. I said, then why is he walking out? Because he can see. I said, bring him back here. All right. Uh, so I'm asking all these other people, you, you need to pray for this guy because I think God is restoring his eyesight. He already did it. You know, I'm like, what, what? okay. So we prayed, he's smiling. And I said, uh, where was he going when he walked away? And he said, he was going to go tell his wife that he could see again. I thought, well, don't let him go just yet. I got to get a picture. All right. So there he is. And God does these kind of things. You know, people bring others to Jesus. And Jesus does what Jesus is going to do. And that little boy can give you a testimony that was escorting him for 10 years. He walked around with him. Uh, but in 10 years and one day, he wasn't. And that boy was walking home again. That was amazing. I am so stunned by what Jesus does. And sometimes we just sit there and we don't even know what to say. Now, there's another gentleman that I met. Uh, here he is. Uh, and and uh, I was speaking at his father's church. And he came up and he said, Tony, I too have a testimony. I have a testimony. I said, you do? Oh, I'd like to hear your testimony. And I go, what is that? And he goes, I had leukemia for 10 years. And uh, I died on the hospital table. I said, you died? Well, that's interesting. Because uh, you're in front of me talking. So what happened? And he said, uh, uh, well, Tony, he goes, uh, 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 
this uh, blood cancer that I had. The doctors were monitoring it. My health was getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, and, uh, and then in the last time I was at the hospital, uh, I died at the hospital table. And I'm thinking, oh, for two minutes or three minutes? Or... So uh, he said, no, they called the time of death and the morgue came to get me. The morgue? I go, uh, well, how long did that take for the morgue to come get you? And they go, well, I don't know, uh, but like 45 minutes to an hour, something like that. And then I go, well, what happened? And he goes, well, all I could tell you is that there was an angel that appeared before me, and he said, arise and shine for the glory of the Lord is upon you. And then he left. And I go, well, then what happened? He goes, well, then I got up. And I said, um, I said well, now what did that angel look like? And I always say this, you know, what did the angel look like? I'm suspicious. And he goes, um, he was different because his skin was like light. I thought, boy, you got my attention. You got my attention. And he just said a few words. Isaiah chapter 60, the first half of that verse. Arise and shine for the glory of the Lord is upon you. I go, well, then what happened? He goes, well, then they rushed me to another hospital. And they did test on me for three weeks. I go, then what happened? And he goes, I got tired of all these tests because he kept on looking at the records. How can it be? We've seen his health getting worse and worse and worse. Obviously, he was going to die. Now he's not. And we don't even see a trace of leukemia in his body. They can't explain it. And they just wanted to keep me there. And I go, well, what did you do? He goes, after three weeks, I said, I'm going home. And I said, how old were you at that time? He says, I was 25 years old. I said, 25 years old, that's the time you should be married. You're an old man if you're not married in India and you're 25 years old. So what happened? He goes, well, my, my, my father and my mother were trying to, to get me a spouse. And uh, they have arranged marriages. And, uh, and no one wanted to uh, marry him. And I said, why did nobody want to marry you? You're a young, good-looking man. you got your future ahead of you. Why would they not want to do that? And he said, because I was dead. And everybody was afraid of me. Uh, and uh, I thought, okay. And then I go, well, what happened? He goes, I got married. Uh, this family said that they'd be honored to be a part of our family and be an honor to uh, their daughter to marry me. So we got married, and he showed me the announcements, invited me over to his house, showed me all the pictures, uh, you know, talked with his dad. All these stories were verified, and I thought, whew, I serve a great God. I serve a great God. This is nothing that I need to hide, nothing that I need to be ashamed about. Uh, people who are skeptic, they don't know Jesus yet. The only reason you're skeptical is because you don't know the master. And he is good. He is good. I can go on and on and on, but I feel that our time is running short. And I'm so sorry about that. Let me leave you with these words, okay? Uh, out of 1 Corinthians. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Let us allow love to have its way within us. Let us be that vessel that God can use. Let us be contagious to other people. Let us persevere. Pray with me, please. Father, we thank you for our time today. I thank you for how wonderful you are and the gift of love that you give us and that it's, it's endless. It goes on and on and on. We won't run out. 
of love if we share your love. And I thank you for that. Help us to be that kind of uh, people that share with other people uh, generously, that, uh, that we persevere in the hard times, because there will be hard times, but that we won't give up because we remember that you are the prize and that you are the great giver of life. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would work through us and minister to others on your behalf for the glory of your good name. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.